Well, praise the Lord, everybody. You are on with Pastor Kevin O'Connor and my good friend Michael York. This is the immutable truth. Um, I uh, had a desire to start a podcast that really focuses on the truth of God's word and standing up for biblical Christianity, what Christianity really teaches. Uh, right now, we live in a day and an age where um, truth seems rel relative, like it can mean one thing for you and one thing for me. And I wanted to do a podcast that focused on what does the Bible really teach? What fundamental truths do we need to hold on to? What are some fundamental truths that we haven't been holding on to? What are some that we've maybe thrown to the wayside and lost or, or got uh, sidetracked from? Uh, before I go any further, I just want to introduce my good friend Michael York, who was uh, brave enough to come on the first inaugural podcast of The Immutable Truth with me. And uh, Mike, go ahead and tell everybody hi. Hello, everybody. Uh, I want to ask you just a few questions. Mike, how long have you been a Christian? Oh, my goodness. Uh, I'm really not even sure how to answer that question. <laughs> I, I was raised uh, as a child being taught who was on the throne, and uh, I, I'm really not sure how old I was when... I accepted Christ I, I mean as far right. as a sinner's prayer or whatever the first time I, I, I don't remember right right okay so let me ask you this uh, when were you baptized when were you when, when did you make a profession of faith that you remember the first time I've been baptized twice once by you okay the first time I was baptized in 1999 okay and I'm old, and I don't remember. What year did I baptize you? Uh, 2007. 2007. Was that a... Uh, it was the year of the flood here in Colorado. First Southern? Yes. Okay. Um, my name is Kevin O'Connor, and I pastor Agape Fellowship Church in Cottville, Kansas. Mike is my very best friend of 18 years. 18 years. 18 years. Mike and I have been friends, um, and... We are we are currently going through a a pretty giant transformation, I think, in our church in the approach that we're taking to the Word of God, getting back to not just historic Christianity, but biblical Christianity, and evaluating the things that we grew up believing, evaluating the things that, you know, a lot of mainstream uh, modern Christian church teaches, you know. Um, Mike and I have talked at length about some of these things. Um, there's just so much to get into, but the, the focus of this podcast, and I want you to know, we wrote it on our SoundCloud page, it's on our Facebook page, um, and I'll provide all those links when I share this podcast on those platforms. Uh, you guys just be looking for them. I wanna, I wanna talk about some of the main things that we've been going through, and I think, uh, would you think, would you, would you say, Mike, that 
the American church has kind of lost its way in a lot of areas. I think that could be truly said of some churches, yeah. Um, I, I'm just asking you, and uh, you know, I don't want this to be like a one-sided conversation for me talking, you know what I mean? But uh, what are some of the things in the church that you think we need to, maybe we're doing wrong, maybe we need to do better, maybe people are just way off on? Uh, well, maybe uh, one thing could be going to people and uh, letting them know if they're doing something wrong. Do you think we do that, or do you think that's something that we need to maybe I, do more? I, I think that's something that we, that we need to get back to. You heard it. You heard it. Michael York says we need to get back to church discipline. I know some other pastors that agree. You know, brothers and sisters in Christ— it's only the last 150 years that we've kind of gotten into this whole idea that my walk with Christ is all my own and you don't have a right to say anything to me. Yeah, that people feel like you're judging. <laughs> right. Now, let me ask you a question because uh, this is a question that I know a lot of people are going to want an answer to. So you're going to need to lean up to this mic because I know at church – we can't hear you on the microphone, and I want everybody to hear your answer when we say this, okay? Uh, what is it about the modern Christian attitude that they can't accept correction, they can't accept direction, exhortation, you know, when, when we're exhorting somebody, that means we're trying to spur them in the right direction. Right. You know, mm -hmm. it's just a really difficult thing to do nowadays. I'm, I, I don't know that it was any easier in the disciples' day and age, uh, but I think a lot of the way we've made the gospel only a personal thing and not a corporate thing that we've turned it into something that I don't have to listen to anybody else. Yeah, I, I, I don't know if, uh, I agree, I don't know if that was a problem that disciples had in, in the New Testament times, but I, I, it may even be exclusive to here in America, I don't know. But uh, I think uh, people are prideful. Uh, God gave me a verse the other morning, and I was talking to Pastor Peanut about this at church, or at, I'm sorry, at work the other day, and uh, God gave me a verse from Proverbs chapter 27, verse 5. King Solomon said, better is open rebuke than hidden love. Right, right. Well, you know, we want, I, I, I think it's something in the modern church that we only want love. We only want, well, I just want love. Well, I don't think people understand what they're asking for when they say, I want love, because the reality is love doesn't rejoice in evil. In wrongdoing, correct. Love rejoices in the truth. So we have to speak the truth in love. And would you say it's probably unloving 
for Christians just to ignore their brothers and sisters in Christ's behavior and allow them to keep walking that direction? That I think that would be uh, uh, improper on our part if, if we're allowing people to uh, live sinfully. I mean, uh, the Bible says, and I believe it's in the book of James, that if you uh, turn a brother or sister away from their sin, you, you cover a multitude of sins. And uh, when we return to a, a sinful lifestyle, it, it's like a dog returning to its own vomit. Right, right. You know, I just, I, I just, that, that's definitely one of the issues that we've been dealing with at church is that our, our faith is not this privately exclusive thing. Um, you can go back to the New Testament church and see that Paul is, admonishes us. If you see a brother caught in a fault, go to him. You know what I mean? Right. We're supposed to go to him and say, hey, we want to we wanna know why you're doing this. And, you know, we want to pray for you if there's a way we can help you overcome it. You know what I mean? Now, there is a way to do it in love, but there's also, you know, it doesn't matter to some, most people nowadays just don't want to hear you talk to them about anything other than Jesus loves you, kumbaya, and now we're all friends. Uh, would you say that's a fair statement? Uh, I think oftentimes that is true for some people. And uh, when I was talking to Peanut, he was he was talking about... Uh, <laughs> I lost my train of thought. <laughs> um, <clears throat> uh, when you... When you bring someone's wrongdoing to them, they uh, uh, tend to get mad. Right. And right. and he said that's actually what you want. He right. Said, he said because if they shrug it off, like they they don't care, that that's when their conscience has been seared. And, right. And right. that's that's dangerous. Right. And we're we're called to do that for one another. I think there's so many other things that are going on in the church too. And I've talked about them at church. We've talked to them. Uh, we've talked about it at, outside of church. Uh, there's just so much going on in the modern American gospel that is misleading, you know. Uh, just there's one thing that's really been eating at me in this whole process that we've been going through that I'm finding so much more in the scripture about God and him being active in the work of salvation. You know what I mean? It's not just God told Jesus, hey, go down to the cross, rise from the dead, come up here, and now we're going to sit back and we're going to just wait for everybody uh, to, to come and, and come after you. You know what I mean? Well, right. I, I, think, uh, I think even Jesus depended upon the Father. If not, he, I don't think he would have had a necessity to pray right well you know and the 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 idea that salvation is you know just god's part's totally done and now all i got to do is say this prayer rather than there still has to be the conviction of the holy spirit there has to be the 
the conviction of my heart that I am a sinner, that I realize my great need for God, and, and, and that all is done by the Holy Spirit, by God the Father, to reveal himself to us, you know? And we, we just, now we just preach uh, cute little verses about John 3.16 and say, repeat this sinner's prayer, and now you're saved. And I don't know that people understand that salvation is born of God in your life. Right. And God has a part in this, not, not an abstract, setting back, passive role. He's active, moving upon the heart of the sinner, convicting the heart of the sinner, showing the sinner their need for him making sure and i think we've lost that due to not preaching about sin not preaching about hell not giving the attention that we need to our sinfulness and our need for christ you know people seem to be coming to christ for Oh, just to, they're, they're okay the way they are. They just need Christ to kind of make them a little better and, and then they'll be perfect, right? Instead of them going, I really need Jesus or I'm never going to make it to heaven because my good works and the things that are in me are not, they're not worth the, they're waiting fecal matter to get me anywhere you <laughs> they, know uh, maybe people want to use salvation as fire insurance as, for their own spiritual safety as opposed to wanting to actually serve god right right well and that that kind of led me on the journey that i'm on right now and i don't know if anybody that is listening to this has been on this same journey and if you can hear that that's just our hot water tank warming up some water so I apologize uh, I want you to know a little bit about the journey I've been on because I've kind of been going on this journey learning more and more about historic Christianity what we've taught what we've believed and we've kind of gotten away from a lot of things that I think are very valuable um, we we have gotten this whole uh, concept of fire insurance, as Mike calls it. You know, we just want the loving Jesus. Yes, God loves you. For God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. And when you tell people this, that's when this new, well, I was so valuable, God just had to save me. and. I just was worth so much that that he bankrupted heaven to come and get me. This is not what that verse is teaching. The, the verse is not saying we are so wonderful. God does love us and God does value us because he created us. But the reason that God saved us wasn't because we are so good and so valuable. He saved us right. because of his grace and his mercy and his love towards us. We don't deserve heaven. But you hear so many people that 
claim to be Christians, and I'm using air quotes, and I'm only doing that because I don't want people to misunderstand me. I'm not questioning every single person's salvation that call themselves Christian, but I question those people who in talking about their life with Christ, it's all about them. It's all about what God's doing for them. It's never about anybody else. It's never about God. It's about them. And we've turned the gospel into what we're doing to get to Christ rather than what God did to ransom, redeem, and save unworthy, sinful people who desperately need him. You know, uh, that's just not the message you're going to hear when you flip on the TV, you know, when you flip on the radio, when you turn on your local Christian network. That's not what you're going to hear. You're going to hear, you know, how blessed you should be and how, how wealthy you should be and how healthy you should be. And God forbid if you're not healthy and you're not wealthy. You're not there yet. You're not there yet and you don't have faith and you don't believe in God as well as these people do. In the reality, none of that stuff is promised to us right. in this life. Uh, they, you know, we, they, there's this modern teaching that Jesus, you know, was telling us we're all, you know, uh, supposed to be prosperous and healthy and never have any problems. And that's never what the church believed, you know. Right. The, the disciples suffered tremendously for the cause of Christ. Right. You know, I they didn't ride around in $56 million jets. They didn't, you know, eat at the fancy hotels. They barely had to, you know, Paul was starved, beaten, uh, stoned, shipwrecked. shipwrecked. And ultimately beheaded. And ultimately killed. If that was to happen to Christians today, Okay, if my whole Christian walk was me being punished, me being flogged, me being uh, ignored, ridiculed, persecuted, there would be some people going, they just don't have enough faith. They're just not walking in faith. And I think one of the, that's, that's kind of where the gospel has gotten off, where we're making it all about us. And, and right now, when the gospel is about what Christ did for us for eternity. Correct. You know, um, I don't know about you, but I think that there's such a problem right now with in Christianity. And I don't mean to sound pious or like a bigot or like I'm better than anybody, but there's this feeling of this lackadaisical, easygoing Christian life where you're not challenged to be different. You're not challenged to be committed. You're not, you don't have to weigh the cost. You don't have to, you don't have to count the cost. You don't have to deny yourself. You don't have to take up your cross and follow him. Now I know in other parts of the world, there are men and women who are giving their life for the gospel. Yes. And they are not benefiting like the modern American preachers 
would have us to believe they should be. With the air quotes. <laughs> and I'm using preachers with air quotes. People can't tell. Sorry, Mike. I'm spitting all over Mike. He <laughs> said, like, wait, you got to scoot up closer to the mic, Mike. Uh, but we are, I'm using air quotes because what? I don't understand how people can preach things that totally contradict what the Bible teaches. Jesus, Jesus' own words, in this world, you will have tribulation, right? Yes. He said you're going to have it. It's not like you're, you're going to miss out on it. You're not going to rise above it and never, never suffer. Right. He, he, as a matter of fact, he, he even told Peter, he said, you're going to be led away. To a place to you a don't want to go. To a place you don't want to go. Correct. And, and we think God's going to lead us all the places we want to go. And it's all about my wants and my desires. And, and that's what the, though you'll hear them preach all the time is God wants to give you the desires of your heart. Okay. Actually, God wants to give you the desires of his heart. Right. <laughs> you know, um, we, we get sidetracked with these things and I didn't want to, uh, go on over and over and over with this, but we need, I think, in America, more people standing up and saying, you know, this stuff isn't biblical. This stuff isn't right. You know, the fact that people can take verses completely out of context and make it all about health, wealth, or prosperity, and, and it's not, you know. Uh, the most quoted part of Isaiah, you know, I think it's Isaiah 53, where he was scourged for our iniquity, you know, or bruised for our iniquity, scourged for us. The chastisement of our peace was upon him. This whole thing is talking about what Jesus does in his atoning work to save us from sin. And you have faith healers that use it to teach that God's going to heal every disease because there's a portion where he said, and he will heal all our sicknesses and disease. Well, they don't read in Matthew 5, I believe, where it was, where he says, uh, Peter said they brought all the sick among them that night there in Capernaum. He stayed with Peter, and they brought all these people to Jesus, and he healed all of them. And then it says something very, very important. This was to fulfill what was spoken by the prophet, prophet. Isaiah. So we're not, we're, we're not waiting for that prophecy to be fulfilled anymore. Right. That prophecy was fulfilled mm -hmm. in that day. Peter declares, you know, or Matthew, excuse me, Matthew declares that's the day that it was fulfilled. Amen? Amen. And, and I, I know I, I have so many people in our town, in other churches in our town, when people are struggling with sickness, struggling with disease, and they'll say, well, you just don't have enough faith to be healed. You don't have enough. You're not, you're not believing. There must be sin in your life, Mike, for you to have that disease. And I don't find that teaching in the scripture. I don't find where people we know, people we know their life, we know their their. Uh, as well as much as we can anybody's walk with Christ, but we see them living a Christian life as the best as they can like we are, you know? Right. To look at them and go, you don't have enough faith, that's why you're sick. You don't have 
uh, you must have sin in your life, that's why you're sick, is ridiculous because we are not promised that we're going to go through this entire life and never catch a cold, never catch a disease, never have all these problems. Right, and we don't see people's hearts. Right, right. Well, here's the thing. That that kind of attitude you've seen in the people when Jesus healed the paralytic man, he said, you know, the one they let down through the roof. Yes. What was the first thing he said to that man? He said, your sins be forgiven you. Your sins be forgiven you. This is the only instance that we see Jesus say this in regards to sin. And then people try to tie that, oh, that man was sick because he had sin in his life. No, Jesus declares in that whole, that whole scene, he said, Oh, who was, you know, who was sinful, this man or his parents, that he ended up like this? He said, it wasn't him or his parents. But right. this was so that God might be glorified. Amen? Yes. That, that there was purpose in there, but it wasn't because of his sin. And there's so many different stories in the Bible that we can read to go back to and understand that God never promises to to deliver us from the fire. He says, I'm going to go through the fire with, with you. you. Correct. He never promises to keep us from the flood. He just said, I'll be with you in the water. Yes. Amen. He didn't say, he didn't say, hey, you're never going to get sick. He said, you know, in your sickness, guess what? I'm going to be there too. And I think we've lost you know, uh, for years, and I mean, this is historic Christianity, even the disciples, even the apostles, they gloried, they, they, they relished persecution, they relished trials, they relished uh, hardship, because they knew that even in this hardship, as God was doing his work in their heart and their life, and they stayed the course following him, that God would be glorified in that trial. You know what I mean? Uh, I think this kind of just hits home for me because there's so many people we know with health issues. You know what I mean? And we know that those people are saved. We, right. I mean, as much as we can know, because we don't know people's heart, but we see the fruit in their life. So for me, as a pastor, to just look at them and go, it's because you got sin in your life. It's because you don't have enough faith. Well, my problem is, and I'm going to say this where everybody can hear me, and I'm going to try to lean up to this microphone where I know they can hear me, almost every faith healer on TV wears glasses, <laughs> has false teeth, has hearing aids, okay? Mm. I, know, I know people, self-proclaimed faith healers in our area wear glasses, have hearing aids, have heart problems, have sinus issues, diabetes, but you're a faith healer, okay? The problem is people don't heal people. Right, correct. If, if and when someone is healed, it is 
sovereignly chosen by God to do so. Right. Amen. Yes. Now, with that being said, talking about the sovereignty of God, if God doesn't choose to heal someone, that's still a sovereign act. Right. Of God's will. Amen. One way or the other. Yes. <laughs> and we don't trust God like that. Mm. Now, I'm going to throw a theory out here for you, okay? And I want you to tell me if you think I'm like totally lunatic crazy or if this is something that is true. You think that we can uh, agree on this. Is it more faith? To say I believe in a sovereign God who loves me, cares for me, takes care of me, and I don't have to worry about any of this other stuff. Or is it more faith to every single week be running to the altar in fear that I've messed up, that I've offended God, and somehow I have to uh, get right with God or there's things going on in my life that if I don't go and pray for it's not going to happen well I think it would be the former Paul uh, spoke of uh, a thorn in his flesh and uh, God said my grace is sufficient for you right right well you know and I'm not saying there's no merit in 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 going to the altar and praying, I'm not saying there's no merit right. in going to the altar and asking for forgiveness. I know every Christian should be walking in an attitude of repentance, yes. right? Uh, but I just think if we have the idea that I have to do that or God's not going to move on my behalf, that we're now walking away from what biblical Christianity teaches because God's in control. Amen? Yes. I agree. Uh, I agree. Uh, I'm, that, that's just where I'm at with that. Uh, I want to talk a little bit just for a minute about kind of where we got started on this. When, when I began to research biblical Christianity, I noticed some themes going on in biblical Christianity and the word of God being foremost of importance and all that. And in my studies, and I, you know, I want to, I want to kind of step out here and just tell people that I, I have been doing a very lengthy study on this for the last three years. Uh, but I am leaning very much to historic Christianity, biblical Christianity and understanding what the early church believed, what the early church taught, what's important, you know what I mean? Uh, the, the Reformation period has been speaking so highly to me because, and we preached about it, uh, the five different solas, by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone, according to scripture alone, for the, the glory, glory of, of God, God alone. alone. Amen. And those things are lost in our modern interpretation of Christianity. And I, I mean, I asked the church, and you can verify this. I asked the church, I was like, if we took a time machine back to the time of the Reformation, back to the time of 
the founding of our country here in America, what do you think they would think of our modern Christian worship or beliefs? What do you think, Mike? Well, I think they would make us defend our position, and would we be able to? <laughs> right, right, right. I, you know, and there's so much that we misquote, take out of context, I think, in our in American Christianity. And, and there, too, there, there are things that we say that we believe in the Bible that sometimes they aren't. For instance... Uh, uh, tomorrow is promised to no man. The Bible doesn't say that. Right, right. The Bible does not say that tomorrow is not promised. To On anybody. the contrary, uh, God promised tomorrow to Paul and others in Scripture. Right. Well, and, and Jesus said, don't worry about tomorrow because we don't know what tomorrow will bring. You know what I mean? Jesus never said, you're not promised tomorrow. Right. You know, matter of fact, the promises of Scripture would indicate that if we follow God and we have a heart for God, you know, the Old excuse me, at least the Old Testament promises were that we would have a long life on the land we that the Lord has given us, right? Yeah. The first, first, uh, uh, Commandment, Commandment with, a promise. with a promise. Right, right. right. Uh, that's kind of where you're going with that, though, right? Yes. Uh, what's the solution? I mean, we talk, we've been talking now for 33 minutes, okay? So what do you think some of the solutions for how far off base the American church has gotten? What is the, what's the solution? Uh um, that, that's a difficult question to answer. Uh, I honestly, I, I wouldn't even know where to begin. Uh, uh, well, hopefully, uh, we're reaching people out on this this podcast right now. Hopefully, people hear us and and search the scriptures for themselves. Amen. Amen. I'm glad you said that, Mike. Because that's where we need to be. We have this idea that it, the Christian life is something that I can just make up as I go. You know mm -hmm. what I mean? It's like it's like uh, Burger King. I can just have it my have it way, way. You know what I mean? And it's not. That's not what Jesus taught. Right. That's not what Jesus expressed. Amen? Amen. Uh, I want to read a scripture for you. Just to kind of defend a little bit of what I'm saying here, I believe it's in Luke chapter 10, maybe 11. <clears throat> Let's see. For the record, none of this is scripted, so. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we're just finding the we're just finding verses. Uh, well, I want to go to I want to go to uh, Matthew chapter seven, where we've been really standing. <coughs> Excuse me. He said, "You have heard that it." Uh, 
Where'd I go? Matthew 7. That's 5, Kevin. We don't want that one. We want Matthew 7. Here we go. He says, Beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ravening wolves. You will recognize them by their fruits. Are grapes gathered from bush, thorn bushes or figs from thistles? So every healthy tree bears good fruit, but the diseased tree bears bad fruit. A healthy tree cannot bear bad fruit, nor can a diseased tree bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Thus you will recognize them by their fruit. Not everyone that says unto me, Lord, Lord, will enter into the kingdom of heaven, but only the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. On that day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, we did, not, did we not prophesy in your name? Did we not cast out demons in your name? Did we not do many mighty works in your name? And then I will declare unto them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. And, and I think that's kind of where I'm going with this, is understanding that Christian life, our Christian, a Christian life, who a Christian life, the born-again life, bears fruit. There's fruit under repentance. There's fruit of good works. There's fruit that you're following Christ. Correct. And I think we right. are reaping what we've sown where we haven't expressed Jesus' words when he gave us some imperatives he said, unless anyone who wants to follow me must do what? Deny himself. Take up his cross and follow me. Amen. Take up his cross and follow me. He said, if you can't do that, you cannot yeah. be, be my, my disciple. disciple. Amen. He said, unless a man is willing to part with everything that he has, he cannot be my disciple. Mm. He says he has to forsake everything. Amen? That's a hard scripture. And, and we live in this modern society. Oh, you don't have to give that up. You don't have to give that up. You don't have to lay that down. You don't have to do that. And we're teaching people that there's nothing, there's no responsibility in living your life for Christ. You can just do what you want and be born again. Now, I'm not talking about salvation by works. I'm talking about people who are unsaved, who are pretending to be Christians, mm. who don't have a real biblical understanding of a born-again life because a good tree cannot bear bad fruit. Right. And if all your tree looks like is a tree full of dead fruit, I challenge them to see where they are Paul said, let each man examine himself to see, see if he be in the faith. faith. Right. Amen. Yes. What's he telling us to examine? He's telling us to examine. Is it all about you? Is it all about you're, you're so good and you're so great when the gospel is I wasn't good. Right. I wasn't great. I was totally 
running away from God. I didn't know God. I don't deserve salvation. I don't deserve salvation, you know. Right. Uh, now, I, I don't have time. We don't want to get to talking about all the different subjects that we're going to be talking about on this podcast. But I want to encourage you, if, if some of the subjects that we've been talking about tonight interest you, keep listening to this podcast. Listen to all the broadcasts that we're going to be putting out because I'm telling you there's a lot of things going on in, in a modern American Christianity that are not scriptural, they're not biblical. I mean, they're not, they're not even part of what historic Christianity has believed. Um, there's just this new faith movement that, that just basically tells everybody, oh, you're going to be, God's going to heal you today, right now. And so many people are walking away from it disappointed because, hey, well, I must not have enough faith or, or, or there must be just too much sin in my life, so I'm just going to give up and not follow Christ no more. You know what I mean? This is, we're causing people to run away from real biblical Christianity because we're preaching a false gospel. We're preaching a different gospel, you know, and that's, that's really what this podcast was stemmed from is my own personal walk. What we've been teaching at church as I've been going through this walk, you've been hearing all this stuff from me for months now, haven't you? I mean, just be honest and tell them, like, is it driving you nuts or are you liking getting back to real scriptural no, I want to hear the truth <laughs> amen amen well and that's what I want even I if want, it hurts even if it hurts and believe me if you were at church this past Sunday <laughs> your feelings might have been hurt <laughs> <laughs> but that that's what we that's what the word of God is supposed to do to me yes we're not supposed to conform the word of God to us right we're supposed to be transformed by the Word of God. It's supposed to renew our minds. It's right. supposed to give us a different perspective on how we should live, on what we should do, not give us excuses not to do things. Right. You know what I mean? There's so much in the Word of God that can be useful. You know, Second uh, Timothy or First Timothy 3 is it First Timothy? Let me find the verse. I don't want to misquote it on my first live broadcast across the United States. Okay, let's get it right. It's Second uh, Timothy chapter 3. He says, all scripture, this is verse 16, all scripture is God-breathed and profitable for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness, for teaching that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. You know, and the word of God is supposed to teach me. Right. It's supposed to correct me, to train me, to give me reproof when I need it. Yes. You know, we got churches out there. And I, if you're one of these churches and you hear this podcast, believe me, I'm not attacking you. I'm telling you biblically, there's no way... To, to openly and overtly agree with homosexuality. Correct. That is not biblical. It's not moral. Amen. 
Um, but we've gotten to the point where we'd rather fill up the church and have a big crowd of people than tell the truth. And that's what this podcast is about. Now, just because the homosexual lifestyle is a sin, people think when you tell them that they're sinning, that means you don't love them. And you're judging them. And sometimes people living a homosexual lifestyle even wind up in a leadership position in a church, and that's, that's way off. That's way off. Right, right. Uh, we're going through that this coming Sunday. If you guys want to keep up with what we're going, uh, scriptures that we're going through, this coming Sunday morning we are starting on uh, chapter 3 of 1 Timothy. We're reading through First and Second Timothy. Uh, we're th- reading through those two pastoral epistles. And this coming week is talking about the, the, the office of the overseer, the pastor, the bishop. Um, we're we're going to take that a deep dive into that, understand what it is, what it's about. Uh, but also, you know, people think when they read that, now tell me if you've ever heard anybody say that. Well, that, I'm glad I'm not a pastor, so I don't have to do those things that it says <laughs> there. Right. I may have said that before, <laughs> but but to clarify uh, that uh, that doesn't mean that we shouldn't open our arms to uh, somebody that is living in a homosexual lifestyle. Right. Absolutely, we should love them. Right. Well, does God love them? Yes. Yes, God loves people. God loves every sinner. Okay. He just hates the sin. Well, you know, and I'm I'm not sure that he. You know, I, I, look, it's just like my kids, okay? And I'm going to say this to you just as plain as I can be. They're, I love my kids all the time, okay? Right. But when they're messing up, I don't like some of them sometimes, <laughs> okay? And the reality is right now, I'm very angry with you, okay? Right. It doesn't change the fact that I love you, but I still hate what you're doing, and it has aggravated the living daylights out of me. Now, right. God is far more patient than I am. Yes. And I'm happy about that. Amen. Yes. Because it is by the mercies of God that none of us are consumed right now already. Amen. Right. Uh, so anyway, that's, that's kind of the subjects that we're going to be talking about. And I agree with you, Mike. We do need to love uh, homosexual people. We also need to be able to reach out to them and have honest conversation with them. I agree. We, we don't... Uh, if we're if we cut off all communication, we're never going to be able to reach them that way. Right. So we need to love them. We need to continue to be patient and and show them the love of Christ. But what we can't do as churches is say we accept the homosexual lifestyle and we think it's okay. I think there's a big difference from someone who understands that homosexuality is a sin who may struggle with feelings of homosexuality but understand that it's sinful and they're they do everything in their uh being and their walk with christ to live like the bible says right amen there's a complete false heretical view of it too though that says I'm homosexual and I'm a Christian and it's okay right. and I can just keep being one 
But Galatians and Corinthians say that homosexuals will not inherit the kingdom of God. Right. Amen. That means there has to be something that changes. And it's here's the here's the difference I believe in what biblical Christianity teaches and what we teach in well, I don't mean we as in our church, I mean the American gospel, the American church teaches. The American church teaches you get saved and then you fix all the bad stuff in your life. You straighten up. Right? We can't do it on our own. Well, it's impossible. Right. It has to be the Holy Spirit convicting me. It has to be the Holy Spirit urging me, moving me, molding me, shaping me uh, from one glory to the next glory. And God is in the habit that he's the potter and not me. We are the clay, correct. <laughs> Amen. And, and I don't mean to change the subject, but uh, another thing that uh, some Christians seem to think okay is abortion, and that's not. Right, right. Well, you know, and my brother, bless his heart, he is probably one of the most, uh, let's say it like it is, uh, outspoken, uh, rough-edged Christian if we want to call it that way, right? Okay. He, he's he's got a pretty he's got a whole lot of rough edges left on him, but he you know even as he knows his flaws, he knows his faults, he knows what the Bible says, and he doesn't argue that uh, the Bible says something that or you know he doesn't try to make a case for sin and say well the Bible says this is okay, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. But he we were on a, I was out on my morning walk. And I was talking to him on the phone, and he was like, I don't see how you can be a Christian and believe in that. Uh, now, I'm not saying that Christians can't. Maybe I am. But the reality <laughs> is you can't believe that murdering babies in the womb right. is okay and still think that somehow God accepts that you believe that's okay. You know what I mean? Right. I think if a Christian has the mentality that abortion is okay, I'm praying that God would convict their heart, that he would work on their moral compass on that issue and maybe lead them back to a biblical understanding of the value of life. And for unborn babies themselves, I pray that uh, any expecting mother out there that is, is considering terminating her pregnancy, I, I pray that the Lord sends somebody their way to speak to them and and educate them and, and inform them that that is a life inside of them. And right. by terminating a pregnancy, they end that life. Right, right. Well, and there's just so many other people out there that want kids. I know my pastor friend, Josh Eaton. Well, give a shout out to Cross Point, Cross Point Baptist Church in Caney, Kansas. You can check out the uh, Re Reforming Your Mind podcast with Pastor Eaton. Uh, he has like eight kids or 19. I can't remember how many it is <laughs> right now. 
but he's got a whole bunch of kids. And there's people out there that would take those children, even if that parent, that mother, that uh, uh, couple didn't want to keep the baby, you know. Um, Probably wouldn't be the Duggars, but yes. Right. The, the reality that, that these things that we're talking about, scripturally, we've got to understand what God teaches, what the Bible teaches. So if you're uh, listening still 52 minutes into this, we're going to wrap it up. But I, I want to tell you and I want to encourage you to keep listening to this podcast. We're gonna, I'm going to have other guests on here, uh, local pastors, local uh, believers, lay workers. We're going to have uh, people from the health and wellness community on here, um, different people areas of of topics and they're all going to be coming back to a biblical worldview of what the bible teaches not what the american gospel the american church has twisted the gospel into and i want to give you a closing verse if you're still listening i want you to to take and meditate on this verse because this is really the premise of this podcast. It's really the the crux, the 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 dynamite that started the whole ball rolling for me. Galatians chapter one verse eight, and I I would rather just start at verse six. But verse six, starting at verse six, he says, "I'm astonished that you are so quickly." deserting him who called you in the grace of Christ and are turning to a different gospel. Not that there is another one, but that there are some who trouble you and want to distort the gospel of Christ. But if we or an angel from heaven should preach to you a gospel contrary to the one that we preach to you, let him be accursed. Now, this is so important to me. The King James says, if I or any other angel from heaven come and preach any other gospel other than the one you have received, let him be accursed. And this word accursed there is anathema, and it means bound to hell forever. There's only one gospel, guys. There's only one truth. Truth is not relative. It's, it's not, or, yeah, truth is not relative. It's not subjective. It doesn't mean one thing for Mike. It doesn't mean another thing for me. Correct. It, it, it's objective. God spells out truth in the Bible. Jesus is truth. The word of God is truth. Jesus said, sanctify them with your word. Your word is, or sanctify them with tr your truth. Your word is truth. Amen. That's when he was praying in John 17 for the church, right? For his first for the apostles, then for, well, first for Jerusalem, then for his apostles, and then for everyone else who would believe from their testimony. Amen? Amen. Uh, but it's important. It's imperative. In our church, I, me personally, I've been going back and reevaluating re what I teach, how I teach. Is it the gospel? Is it what the Bible teaches? That's the premise of this Immutable Truth podcast is so that we can get back to biblical Christianity 
so that we can stop distorting the gospel and making it all these other things that it is not and get back to what the Bible teaches. That about sum it up, Mike? Yeah, and uh, I think some people would be worried about, well, well, you can't be talking about subjects like like uh, uh, abortion and homosexuality. This is a, a, a Christian broadcast. Uh, there's supposed to be a separation of church and state. Well, if that be the case, how is it the state was able to shut down our churches? Right. Well, the, the reality is every Bible-believing Christian should have an opinion on what's going on in this country because right. we have a freedom, we have a right, we have a voice to speak up and say something too. And, and right now... The, the church is under attack and the onslaught is real that if men and women of Christ don't stand up, I believe we're going to get freedoms taken away that we may not get back. And freedoms are like muscles. If you don't use them, you lose them. Right, right. So we need to exercise our muscles in regards to standing in our Christian faith. Amen. Amen. So Mike and me want to just wish you a good night. We want to pray that you have a good night. Be blessed. Tune in next time. Make sure you uh, go to our Facebook page. Make sure you find us on SoundCloud, iTunes, iHeartRadio, whatever platform you can look it up. Immutable Truth. Uh, Pastor Kevin O'Connor. Mike, tell them bye. Love God and love people, everybody. Amen. God bless you.